Yeah. Well, I'd like to, Dave and Ree, Ree, if you come up, we're just going to do a little, like, how are things going, give us an update, all right, if you come up to. So, Dave, Dave and Ree, we've been in relationship with you for 30 years yeah. or more? Uh, 1990. 1990, wow. So. We were all very young. And I'll, is he on? Okay, yeah, great. You were all very young. Yeah, <laughs> we still are. Well, um, I, could you give us just an update on how you're, you're doing, how is your family, and then what you guys are up to in this season? Uh, it's wonderful to be here. Thanks so much for the welcome and the musicians leading us in, in worship. We loved it. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's great to be back. It's years, and I guess I thought I'd never be here ever again. Um, health hadn't been very good, but God's raised me up again, mm-hmm. so... I'm really, really grateful. Good to see your faces. Um, we're doing fine. We're creaking a bit with old age, but um, excited to see what God is going to do with you. Um, you're a pilgrim people, aren't you? You've set your hearts on pilgrimage. And uh, I think my prayer, as I haven't said much about the family, but I wanted to say this, is that, you know, when God said to Moses... My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. That's going to be my prayer as I leave uh, tomorrow, that praying that you will know God's presence leading you. And Moses said, well, don't take us on if your presence doesn't go with us. And I know that's your heart, that he will uh, lead you on, pilgrim people. I've told you my grandma's story before, I think, have I? I don't know. We've got seven grandchildren, and um, which are a, jo- a joy. And one of them said to me a few years ago now, when I was about 68, she said, how old are you, Grandma? And I said, 68, Evie. She thought for a bit. And she said, well, you don't look it from the back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you've got your mic. You speak. (laughs) It is great to be back. Uh, We've enjoyed when we can listening on a Sunday because this time is tea time in the afternoon in England we can't always join you but it's been great when we've been able to and just see your faces and enjoy what God is doing just a couple of things we've been able to do this year which have been good because with Covid and then I had knee surgery and we had health issues sort of things we have been able to travel again um We started a charity some years ago, mainly for work that we're doing in Zambia and India and different parts of the UK. So in January, I was able to go back to Zambia for the first time. Several years ago, we started a children's village for AIDS orphans um, as AIDS became quite rampant in the country. And it's been great to see that grow and develop. And then another church we work closely with um, raised funds to build a school on the site So we're sort of helping oversee a children's village, uh, a school situation in a very poor part of Zambia. When we started the village, the children were looked at with a lot of stigma, as aged children were. But then the children in the local township saw that they were quite privileged because they were getting visitors from the West, they were getting gifts and toys and education. So it, it became a bit of a tension so we, uh, we built a borehole and the people thought it would be really good because water is often unavailable to put a tap into the township 
just so that you know we could build bridges. The first night, the tap was stolen. So, but you know, <laughs> that's life, isn't it? And then we also worked with a couple. Do you want to say about the couple in Solwazia that we worked yeah, with? Yeah, a couple in Solwazia working with 50 women to help them exit prostitution, which is poverty-driven. I know lots of you know I uh, was able to work in our own city with, with women in, in street prostitution, and it was all drugs-driven. But this is poverty-driven. And it's been so wonderful to see women, two of whom have become engineers, um, and beat all the men in, the, in their class. <laughs> and uh, others are tailors, tailoresses, and they're training others, chickens. And they, they make great sausages. We've bought them a couple of sausage-making machines, um, which is, has been great revenue for them, and made, made money and taken them out off the streets. So that's been a joy mm. to be part of. It's, it's a marathon, but it's a privilege yeah, yeah. to be part. We've been able to visit India, not Mumbai, where Emmanuel's from, yeah. but different parts. And for those of you who do follow the news, um, in certain parts of India, Manipur especially, which is on the eastern side, there's a lot of heartache, persecution, Christians having horrendous time. We've got some friends who are there, and life is very difficult for them. And uh, so we've been praying for them, as I, I'm sure some of you have. We've been able to work in the slums in Delhi, train healthcare workers, etc. So that, that's been thrilling. And we also visited Sri Lanka, which was for the first time, but again, seeing a country devastated, COVID, inflation, corrupt government, and many of the Christians are really going through a hard time. And it makes us grateful that we are privileged, but how do we work out that responsibility? So we're, we're juggling things like that. So um, yeah, that's us. Yeah. Yeah, so we will pray for them um, after the announcements at the end of this service. But Dave is going to kind of in, kind of help us kind of enter into Galatians 5 yeah. today. So bless you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who knew Mich Michelle Myers, Michelle Gaskin, I've got her order of service. She sadly passed away last year. So some of you might like to look at that if you knew her just to, uh, it, it's a beautiful order of service. Fruits of the Spirit. Now, as always, I'm very happy for you to interject. Not you, Doug. <laughs> Most of you. Uh, so if there's anything that you uh, want me to clarify, don't understand, or disagree with, uh, one thing I'm learning as I get older is I know less and less about more and more. Um, I used to know everything about everything, but as you get older, you, you don't. So, so we're on a journey of rediscovering a lot of things. So if I say anything, you think, hang on a minute, um, I don't understand that or disagree with that, I'm very happy for you to say, hang on a minute, Dave, and I hope you feel free enough to do that. Um, fruits of the Spirit. Peter read earlier from Galatians 5. Uh, one thing I've come to see and recognize is there is a mixture in all of us. Do you remember the story when Rebecca was pregnant in Genesis and chapter 25? And she felt there was a battle going on inside. And she said, God, what is this? And he said, well, there's twins. There's a battle going on. There's contention. And I get that sort of feeling as I read this passage because within me, 
and obviously I can only speak for myself, there's a battle. Paul says, you know, we wrestle. There's the uh, fruits of the flesh and fruits of the spirit. And all of us have that battle, don't we? And he brings this long list and, we, uh, you know, the uh, sinful nature. And, and he talks about fruits of those being sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery. Now, those might not apply to us, but hostility, um, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension. And he says, you know, this is what happens if we live in the flesh. But he said there are fruits of the Spirit. And the fruits of the Spirit, can you name them? Come on, I'm sure. Love, joy, peace. You don't need me to speak on it, you know it. But we have this battle, don't we? Because something in us longs to display the love. Something in us longs to display uh, the peace and the joy. But sometimes we, we're hurt, we're repented. Or just as an aside, in, in that lovely song we sang, Come Holy Spirit, what is umbozo? Is it an African language? Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you know which one? Uh, All right. You could say anything and I'd believe you. Swahili. Swahili, right. I was singing that thinking, what is this? But you're all singing, so I thought they must know. So, so you've just been singing Swahili if you didn't know. But, you know, there is this battle within us. It's easy um, to demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit, but inside, if you've had a journey that has been painful there's the hurt there's the envy there's the jealousy there's all those sort of things and we live in this battle and a simple theological truth that i'm going to leave with you today is what you feed grows and if we feed the jealousy the envy it'll grow but what god wants of us is that we can so live in the spirit that we feed the love, the joy, and the peace. But when I say live in the Spirit, what does that mean to you? You know, we often say, let's live in the Spirit. What does that actually mean? You got an answer, Joan? <laughs> Stay close to the Word, yeah. Marion. Inviting the Holy Spirit to act through you. Any other thoughts? It's a choice, yeah. Obedience. Obedience. Paul? Yeah, being sensitive to God's still small voice. And uh, living in the Spirit is all of that. But I think the choice element is so important because we'll all find ourselves in situations where we can either choose, if you've been hurt in your past and you carry offence, you'll be in many situations where you can choose to be offended. And I know several times people have approached me and said, I've said things that offended them. And I didn't mean to be offensive. And I thought, well, they have heard something, but it's fed what has shaped their life. And sometimes it's a choice that says, I will not feel offended, but I will choose self-control. 
A lot is choice. But what I think is important that we see about these uh, fruits of the Spirit, which you can all name, what they are is the character of God. I'm sure if we, if we had more time, we'd go into more detail, but the first one is love. God is love. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lays down his life for his friends. So love is a characteristic of God. Joy. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. My joy is complete, said Jesus. So the characteristic of joy, it's another characteristic of Jesus. Peace. He's the prince of peace. Patience. The Bible tells us that God is patient, not willing for any to perish. And we could go through the whole list. And what we see is the fruits of the Spirit is the character of God. And see, what God is trying to do in us is to make us individually and corporately like Jesus. The biblical story in the garden, something was robbed. God made us in his image. I believe every man, woman and child has got something of the image of God. But sadly, sometimes through all sorts of things, through hurt, through abuse, through ignorance, that image gets tainted. And the purpose of God in Christ, I think, is to restore that image. Because in Ephesians 4, Paul says there will be a day when we'll all reflect the stature of Jesus. And John says in, his, in 1 John 3, he says, we will see him and we will be like him. So what God is doing in us is trying to make us like Jesus. And that is reflected, I think, in two, two sides of the coin. One is in gift. So what God has put in the church is the gift that reflects the gifts of Jesus. Um, it might be Jesus is the apostle, Hebrews tells us. Jesus is the prophet. He is the word of God. Jesus is the good shepherd. He is the pastor. Um, he is the good news. So God has released the gifts of Jesus into the church, which is why I think Jesus said, and I often wrestle with this, what did it mean? Jesus said to his disciples, greater things than me you will do. And they must have thought, how? You know, they saw what he did. But I think he was uh, looking forward to all that he was in terms of gift, ministry, and good news being released in the church and not bound geographically to a certain area. So God has given gifts in his church to make us like Jesus, but he's put character in us. And I think it's so important that whatever root, whatever understanding of church, whatever our understanding of key leaders is, um, character has got to go hand in hand with ministry. And you'll know as I do, and we've had to sit down and try and help several quite influential leaders who were so flattered by their ministry, there were gaps in their character that were never touched. And you'll know in America, as we do in England, sadly, if the character is neglected, it'd be like David. David was this mixture. He was a man after God's own heart. And we sing his psalms and we you know, refer to him so often. And yet he was this next year because he did some awful things. And Nathan, he was uh, the one who provoked him. 
and this is an aside, but I think whatever form of leadership we have in churches and pastors, if we don't have Nathans with us, we are in danger of letting the power go to our head. Um, and Nathan says, you know, what you've done, David, you've brought discredit to God's name. And you'll have seen here, as we've seen in many other places, sometimes discredit is brought to God's name because the ministry is emphasized to the detriment of character. And I would rather a good leader than a clever leader. If a clever leader is good, that's great. But, you know, or, um, character reflects who Jesus is. And what God has done, um, he's given us the Holy Spirit so that these fruits can grow. Now, fruits, as you know, I'm sure many of you will have fruit trees. It takes time for them to ripen. We don't suddenly become a ripe fruit. Um, if patience is an issue with you, you, you don't pray, God, make me patient, and he sort of waves a magic wand as you sleep, and you wake up patient. <laughs> no, he puts you in a situation or face-to-face -face with a person where you have to choose. Because what he wants is that we can be a reflection of Jesus. And I believe the mission of the church is to be Jesus in the communities where he's put us whether that be a geographical community. And I know I've said before, I, um, one thing that we love about FCBC is the artists you've got, your musicians you've got. God has enabled you to connect with some communities that might not be geographical communities, but you're able to reflect who Jesus is in those communities. But we've got to make choices because we, the devil would be delighted if we chose envy. He would be delighted if we got too proud about what we thought our ministry, our abilities were. So, it's a choice. And I think, as one who is getting older, um, I sometimes feel, and, and this, uh, I can't prove this from scripture, this is observation. As people get older, I think they reach a sell-by date. Do you have sell-by dates <laughs> on all your food? You know? and, and I have this fear that I will reach a sell-by date by which it'll be too late for me to change. And you will know, probably, <laughs> you might think of me like this, some old people have got just crotchety. <laughs> Is that word you use? Yeah. Uh, I remember one saying here, things went pear-shaped. And the only thing people remembered was, I said pear-shaped, and you didn't have a clue what that meant. So, um, so if I say any English words, real English words, that we never actually <laughs> imposed on you, do say. So... I think as we get older, we, we almost reach a point where we can stop choosing. And you'll know, as I do, some older people, and we were talking about Dave and Marion yesterday, um, they just got sweeter. So keep choosing. Dave and Marion Jones. Um, you know, so we have to make choices because my fear is I'll reach a sell-by date and just become a crutchy old man who wishes life was as it was 40 years ago. But it's a choice. And I think we do have to identify where we lack. There's such a vast range. Uh, we, uh, we were with Russ and Sandy the other day, and, uh, and Russ was saying he's been asked to speak on self-control. And we thought, why was Russ been asked to speak on self-control? Because that's him. 
you know. And so there will be some of these fruits that um, are more apparent in us. But what I believe is important for us at this stage is uh, you are on a journey. And I know a, a few years ago you were doing a series on the children of Israel in the wilderness, probably six, seven years ago. And it seems as though you're still on that journey. Lord, give us patience. Because we're in that tension, aren't we? Which is why we've got to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. Because, you know, the children of Israel were quite happy in the end walking around the wilderness. They got every provision met. They um, got their food. They didn't have to work, etc. But um, they could get in that rut. But they had to be patient till the right time. And I believe for us here, uh, it has been for some a wilderness. It would be nice sometimes if God uh, said, this is the way, walk in it. And sometimes he does, but not always. And sometimes our experience has been, we um, haven't been too sure what to do. But we've just felt God say, if you make the choice, if your heart is to honor me, then I will bless your choice. And, and there are some tensions, aren't there, in church life? Um, we lived in New Zealand for a couple of years. We loved it there. Um, and we had the opportunity to stay longer. We had a choice. Now, we didn't feel God say, stay or go. So we had to make a choice. And I think what the place we came to was, God say, you make a choice and I'll bless your choice. But sometimes it's patience to get a sense of, this is the way walk in it. And so for some here... It is patience. One thing that I, again, another thing I love about FCBC is you seem to hold tensions together. Tensions in terms of perspectives on things and beliefs. And I know there'll be certain issues where there would probably be polar extremes. And how do we live with that? Because my belief is what joins us is not... Um, that we all believe exactly the same thing but that we want to maintain unity of the spirit in Ephesians 4 early in the verse chapter 4 says maintain the unity of the spirit and, t and then he says later until we all attain unity of faith so there'll be some issues here that there's disagreement over now is that enough to divide I think if we can start to develop in fruits of the spirit we can listen and give grace and try and understand those whose journeys we don't understand. And it might be issues to do with um, theological influence. Some people here will be influenced by people who others would struggle with. You know, there'd be some who say, it's not conservative enough, it's too liberal. Others would say, it's too conservative. You know, we have those tensions. We have those tensions with regard to Issues like gender and marriage and, and a whole lot of issues. Now my personal feeling is that um, if we can grow in fruits of the Spirit, we can walk through those together because I won't understand why you have come to your place that you're at until I understand your journey. And if I can understand your journey, then I can start to understand you more and listen 
One thing that I'm very aware of is, is in certain areas our theology has changed. And that's been true of FCBC. We first came, I, I first came in 1990. And it was at a time Elliot and Linda and, and Derek and Jenny Woodfield um, had recently come. They'd Elliot and Linda had experienced the Holy Spirit and they knew it would change their theology. And we'd been with Derek and Jenny in New Zealand trying to help their church transition and the theology changed because of an encounter with the Holy Spirit. It wasn't, um, and soon with that, the theology of gifts of the Spirit changed. It developed. Um, about that time, the whole question of women in leadership was discussed. And for some, it was a big issue. And I think, you, as a church, and it's looking back many years now, you were excellent at processing it. But it caused a change in theology. You've got a team leadership, which I, I personally think is more of a New Testament style of church leadership. You know, there aren't any church pastors in the New Testament. Sometimes if I'm trying to stir things up a bit and it's a male-oriented church, I just say, there are more women prophetesses named in the New Testament than male pastors. But, you know, for some people, what you want in a church is a pastor. And you're in this tension of, are we going to get one here? What happens if we don't? And we live with these tensions. And I know, as I said, for me, and as I've seen displayed here, there have been some changes in theology. And what it shows me is that there's so much more of God to know and grasp and understand than I do. So if you invite me to speak, it's not because I've got the answers. It's because I'm on a journey. And we're all learning on a journey. In fact, someone gave me a quote, our daughter gave us a quote a couple of weeks ago. She said, when you come to a major change or crossing into a whole new experience, you've almost got to forget the Christ you knew to embrace the Christ you do not yet know. Because our knowledge of Christ um, is growing. Because he's so vast. And I often take um, note of Paul's comment. He said, my knowledge is partial. And here's Paul. You think, well, if his knowledge is partial, and he talks about going to the third heaven and all that. Uh, I once re referred to that here years ago and said, you know, Paul said, have we gone to the third heaven? It would have helped me if he would have said what the first and second ones were. <laughs> and, and, and someone came up to me afterwards and said, I've been to the third heaven three times. And I thought, um, I haven't. Um, you know, if Paul's knowledge was partial, how much more is ours? There, uh, Doug. I can imagine what your daughter meant by that. Yeah. Well, the sort of example that I would give, Ray and I, um, Ray was brought up, I became a Christian in a Brethren church. I know you'd relate to that. Don't know if others of you would. And one of the issues with the Brethren church was um, a great love of God's word, but not real scope for the Holy Spirit. So in my thinking, their understanding of Christ and his work and the Holy Spirit were limited. Now, when the charismatic movement happened, 
um, it affected many brethren churches in the UK. And I think for some, um, I'm more thinking out loud, I think for some there was a fear of saying, if we embrace this, we are acknowledging that what we've lived in and preached and you know, we believe we God's chosen ones who are all the truth um, for the past generation it was limited. So um, because there's so much more of Christ to know and love and understand, I don't want to be limited by my past if it's limiting my view of who Jesus can be. So I think the whole charismatic um, movement, to me, highlighted that because some couldn't move because they lived in history, but some wouldn't move because they wouldn't admit they were wrong. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I don't think he spoke politically wrong. Politically yeah, yeah. Well, I think um, this is... Not all churches would be like this, but there would be some churches who convey, whether they verbalize it or not, that they are the ones with the truth. And that others hadn't quite seen the truth. Any of you relate to this? And, when you, and even with the charismatic movement, what developed from that in the UK was house churches, the house church movement. Um, and... For all the joy and the excitement of that, there was almost a sense, we're the ones who've got the truth. We're God's real army. And then we started to see other people were doing far more um, and were expressing Christ in wholly different ways. And what is interesting, uh, several key people in what we call the house church movement in the UK have gone from being... Um, raving Pentecostals, charismatics, to being very contemplative. Because I think all the time we discover there's something fresh, there's something bigger, there's a vastness to Jesus that um, we've got to be open to. Yeah, and perhaps if I give a more personal example, um, we preached a very triumphalistic gospel. Uh, we'd been touched by the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, we were going to change. The, we were going to be the generation to bring back the King. This might be an extreme, but you know, we're very much triumphalistic, etc. And then, certainly for us, we had to face issues um, of heartache that didn't quite fit. So how do you juggle that? Um, you preached, for example, um, a Christ that heals. And like most here, we've seen healings. But we've had to be with people who haven't. So it's a rediscovering of a Christ who walks with you in that time. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, which, which ultimately drives our joy. Mm -hmm. 
because sometimes it is things like pride that makes us hold on to a past. And um, it does relate to fruits of the Spirit because if we can really start to live out the fruits of the Spirit, it helps me listen. And I know some of you will have faced issues with children and choices that have made, that have challenged. And I understand that. And you've been challenged in a way that maybe some of us haven't. Now, I want to understand that and have love and acceptance because I haven't been in your shoes. And I might one day be in your shoes, but I'm not now. But that has shaped you. And um, if you have been brought up in an abusive relationship, that shapes how you trust leadership. It shapes how you um, can access God's love. And what we need is the fruits of the Spirit to give people grace to be where they're at. Because if you're processing hurt, um, you won't, it, it's a long process. There are sometimes when God heals instantly and it's great, but there are times when it's a long process of healing. You know, God says, I will pull you out of the miry clay, and sometimes he does. But sometimes he says, I will be with you as you walk through the waters. And sometimes the waters get raging and deep and cold and uncomfortable. But God's promise is he will get us to the other side. And the sort of thing, um, perhaps give another example. When our daughter had cancer, some very well-meaning people sent us some great testimonies who'd been healed of that cancer. But that wasn't her journey. So she suddenly felt, why not me? Uh, does God love them more? Or what we often say, is there hidden sin in your life? You know, we, we say things like that. And um, her journey was different. And we've got to respect that journey because she will have learned things in that journey that will be very different. But it will have caused some fruits of the Spirit to grow in a different way. Andrew. Can you all hear? Yeah. I think that, yeah, I think that's right. The danger can be when we process something and come through it and feel we've received our truth, um, it's accepting we can't impose that on someone else who's on a slightly different journey. So, Dave, how do you, how do you avoid a moral or a theological relativism if you take this approach? That, that's an honest question. Yeah. Is it to say there's no absolute truth? It's just what you kind of get in your relationship with God? Or, and how do you avoid, not you give away, you, you put
I think the point I'm starting from is, whose idea was it to say ask questions? Um, <laughs> I think what I'm trying to say is that Christ is bigger than we imagine. And I personally think our culture is shaped, shapes our theology sometimes more than we realize, for good or bad. Um, so looking back in English culture, and I know slavery was a big issue here, but in our town in Bristol, slavery made Bristol rich. But you could justify that from scripture. The um, squashing of women in some cultures is still very prevalent. And, and there are some countries where you know um, there's still that influence. The whole patriarchal thing still infiltrates the church. But you can justify it through scripture. And one of my tensions is, um, I've seen so many things we can justify through scripture. Any disagreement in the church is normally scripturally based because it's how we use it. And we use scripture as a tool and as a weapon rather than uh, help bringing us into a revelation of Christ. I do think the church has to be countercultural. Um, and one of the main countercultural things is the ability to express um, a welcoming love. What I love about Jesus, you know, when the woman was caught in adultery, um, they dragged her to Jesus. The man got away, got free, which was again, you know, the cultural norm. Um, and she could have and should have been punished according to their law. But what Jesus did, he said, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. There was an acceptance without condoning. And I think what we need to do as church is to accept without condoning in certain areas. And that's hard to do. Um, so if we can do that, because another thing I struggle with, there are many... Um, sections of our society, certainly in the UK, that would say we've got to be inclusive. But they only include people who agree with them. And so we end up with this tension, you know, we use certain buzzwords. Well, I think the church has got to be countercultural. In Yes, I believe you know, in this church body, I would hope, and any church we're involved in, everybody would feel welcome and feel that they could access something of God's love. Now, whether we chose to um, choose to agree with every lifestyle choice is, um, is secondary. Again, sort of situation, more and more in England, I'm sure it's here, people uh, meet on the internet, they move in together, they have a child, they get engaged and get married. For us old people, it used to be, you know, you'd meet, you'd get engaged, get married and have a child. Um, so the whole thing about, uh, about the reality of marriage, and I hope I haven't given this illustration before, but we had a situation where we had two couples join our church, this was some years ago, and we thought, well, what do we do about it? Because they're not legally, civilly married. In, in the Old Testament uh, perspective, they probably were married because they just went 
to a tent overnight and they came out married you know so uh, but we forget that bit don't we when we talk about a biblical view of marriage you know <laughs> picture tent anyway um so we thought well what do we do about this do we say anything or not and what we felt was we just you know the holy spirit is the one who convicts of sin of righteousness and of judgment let the holy spirit speak to them and within a short space of time one of the couples said look we've been living together we're not married we are going to get married so we said great it was a lovely wedding etc the other couple didn't make any move and then one day the guy um, said he would like to help with the youth work with the children's work so we said well uh, we probably need to sit down and talk because marriage is such an important part of our understanding um, why is it you're not married? And he said, you know, we'd love to be married. He was Nigerian. And he said, if we get married, I've got to pay for all of my family to come from Nigeria. And he said, I just can't do it. And, and in his culture, every male uncle gave him a name. So he'd got 13 Christian names, Nigerian Christian names. And his wife, his partner said, yeah, I can't go through it because... By law, you have to give all the names. So I could not say, I take you, da -da 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 -da, 13 na African names later, to be my wife. So, husband. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm confused. Yeah. So, he changed his name by Depole and dropped 10 of the names. And we said, look, if you really want to get married and finance is the issue, we will pay for you to be married. Because what had stopped them, it was partly cultural and it was partly economics, it was partly, um, it's so acceptable not to be married. So I think we have got to be counter-cultural um, in certain ways. But the challenge is that I think we have to face is what happens when there are certain people um, whose lifestyle is different to what we have thought. Do we accept welcome, etc.? And that's something for you to discuss. But unless we can operate in the fruits of the Spirit, what will come over will be a harsh judgment rather than um, God's love. Just to give another example. Um, sorry, I, I, are we okay for one more story? Uh, we, we work very closely with some friends who, um, who do an amazing work in the Philippines. And they school and feed about 400 kids a year. And, and they've got children's homes. And they, um, they went over there, they saw street kids and thought we've got to do something about it. So they've developed this whole program. And then somebody approached them and said, uh, one of the issues I is that um, ladyboys are being trafficked and there's nowhere for them to go. So they said, we will start a home for ladyboys because the Christians wouldn't touch them, uh, the culture wouldn't touch them. So they'd already sent their kids to a certain um, Christian school and then when these ladyboys came along, um, they took them to the school as well. Well, that blew the mind of the... Sorry? Ladyboys are um, a tactful translation. It's... Boys who present and live as ladies and are 
um, you would think there were ladies, women to see them. It's sort of transitioning, but, but they've been brought up as ladyboys. Can you think of a better definition, Marie? Yeah, immaculate. Yeah. Um, they're boys, but you would think they were ladies. Uh, and in some cultures, certainly Thomasian cultures, it would be quite common. So they took these ladyboys to the local um, conservative evangelical school, and the head couldn't cope. He said, we run this school on the word of God, those ladyboys can't come in. So the uh, daughter of our friend who was running the project there said, so we run our ministry on the love of God. We're taking all our kids out. Because if we can't apply the word of God in the fruits of the spirit, we bring a judgment that is not God's heart. And as I said, you don't have to agree with me. And if it raises questions, um, I might not be able to answer them, but wrestling with questions is the way we learn. So that explains fruits of the spirit, really. <laughs> Uh, so what God wants is that FCBC that you and I as individuals we reflect the character of Jesus and the way that we will do that is by developing love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness goodness, self-control the nine of them and for some uh, we will be aware of glaring omissions, weaknesses in that well, let's ask God to help us. And if we feel that tug, you know, that battle to jealousy or envy, let's choose to try and find God's Holy Spirit releasing his character and his fruits in us. Thank you.